Thank you for coming to our site. While you're here, if you can like and subscribe and share our content, we're trying to grow. And for those who would like to comment, make comments and I will gladly answer, uh, do the best I can. Make sure that we have an engaged audience. If there's something you guys would like me to talk about and teach about, just let me know and we can do that as well because I love sharing the Word of God. And for those who would like to support us financially, there are links also provided for that. And I appreciate everything that you can give. And I thank you so much. It is an honor to serve. And I look forward to continue bringing you guys good content. Welcome to Mystery Bible. My name is Ken Primus. I am your host. We are looking at uh, Moses and all of the plays and so forth. And again, we are looking from several different sources last week. We looked at the book of Yasher and I showed you the, um, the differences, if you will, that uh, the book of Yasher has 15 uh, of those judgment and the Bible has 10. And I wanted to show you that list to you guys and so that you will understand, again, that, again, we're looking at this thing from, for clarity, but the core of the story is still the same meaning that God came to a people and requested his people to be released. And they were released after God had uh, placed judgment on the gods, if you will, of Egypt on his way out. He actually was uh, showing uh, the children of Israel his power, but he was also showing the Egyptians that he was the true God over all of their gods. And he did that through the plagues as he walked one to the other to bring his people out. And we talked about how God looks at Israel uh, briefly uh, last week. And he's, he looks at Israel as his firstborn son. And uh, here is a father coming to someone that has his son in bondage, and God is now trying to uh, come to this individual and say, hey man, let my kid go. And the man uh, is refusing to let his kid go. And eventually the father loses it, and he says, you know what? Since you're not going to let my kid go, what I'm going to do is kill your sons all of your firstborn sons, and then you're going to get the message that I'm serious. And before I do all of that, I'm going to judge every single one of your gods to let you know that I am the God of all flesh. I am the God of the children of Israel. I am, as they said, I am the God of the Hebrews. And so God set out to show this man and these uh, um, Egyptian, who he was in moving his people from their land to the land that he had promised. Last week, what we had talked about, we looked at Josephus, and not Josephus, I apologize, we looked at uh, the book of Yasher, and I promised you guys that we're going to look at um, Josephus today from the vantage point of the historian. And let's uh, read what he states. But his is kind of concise, and so what I'm going to do is read 
the whole thing um, from the historian uh, point of view until uh, when he relinquished their the control of the Egyptians and uh, give them permission to leave. Uh, verses chapter fifteen of Josephus chapter. Uh, we are looking at that chapter fourteen, and uh, we're going to read that again. This is from the historian point of view, and uh, this is we're going to stop at chapter fifteen, which chapter fifteen in Josephus deals with uh, the children of Israel now leaving Egypt. But we're going to look at uh, Josephus, and then we're going to when we finish that, we're going to. Go back into the legend of the Jews to see what was their account of this situation that was before them. How did they see it and uh, what was the additional information that they would have placed in there for us to get a chance to grasp some other truth and some other revelation, if you will, about um, uh, what they saw and how they saw God acting on their behalf. Verses, uh, that's chapter 13. We're going to end up in chapter 13 and then walk into um, chapter 14. Now, when their labor uh, thus doubled upon them, they laid the blame of Moses. This is when, um, after the first encounter with the snakes and so forth, after that, the Egyptian began to um, increase the labor upon them. So we're going to read that. Again, this is from the historian point of view. Now when the labor, their labor were double upon them, they laid the blame upon Moses because their labor and their misery were on his account because become more severe to them. But Moses did not let his courage sink for the king's threatening, nor did he abate from his zeal on the account of the Hebrews. And that's because the Hebrews complained because this man had a face-to-face with God. And so all their whining, and you'll see that the Israelites specialized in that, especially when they got into um, the wilderness. Uh, we know that the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that they specialized it. The Bible actually called it the day of the great quarrel, meaning that they were always uh, quarreling and, and God got tired of them. And he said, you people will not enter in to the promised land. And so that's why he had them in the wilderness working, walking around in circles until that generation that was in Egypt, um, that first generation that was in there, that they all died because their mentality was that of slaves. They weren't of sons and conquerors like Joshua's generation. And you guys better be careful that your mind is not that of a slave because the Bible tells us in God's Word that He calls us to be sons of God. And uh, when we are not able to see who and understand who we are, because we are behaving like children, and it tells us that we will always be slaves, even though we are sons of the mighty God. So be careful of how you see yourself, because that's how the children of Israel saw themselves. We see ourselves as grasshoppers not as giant killers. And so God had to get rid of them. So let's see their story and see how they um, talk about this man. Because again, he's, he had a face-to-face with God. These people are not going to change him. And so it said, 
but he supported himself and set his soul um, against them both and used his own utmost diligence to procure liberty to his countrymen. God called him with an assignment. When God calls you with an assignment, you need to be obedient to the assignment. To heck with anyone else who's telling you that you can't accomplish your assignment. Assignment. If God called you for it, you are capable of completing that assignment. And so his assignment was to go to this man, and you're going to talk to him. God says, you stay there until he let my people go. And that was his assignment. didn't care about what the people were saying. Because like I said, when God sends you on your assignment, your family member, your friends, everybody's going to look at you a little crazy. But you got to remember who you were standing or in front of that gave you that assignment. So it says that um, he stayed. He did not um, focus on any of them. He just procured liberty for his, he keep that in mind, his, his assignment. So, so he went to the king and persuaded him to let the Hebrews go to Mount Sinai and there to sacrifice to God because God had enjoined them so to do. He persuaded him also not to counterwork the design of God. Well, not to fight God because you can't fight God, guys. God said, all souls are mine, all spirit are mine. I created you. How is his creation going to try and fight him? We know that Lucifer tried that, and God didn't do anything. Jesus said, I saw the devil fall from heaven like, like lightning. Um, you know, Michael took care of that. So you can't fight against God because God is the source of all power. How are you going to win with the source of all wisdom, knowledge, understanding, all of it, life? The Bible tells us that if he takes out his breath out of man, all of us would die. So how do you fight that? I don't know, but, you know, man in his crazy behavior will always try to do that. And so he went to the king and persuaded him to let the Hebrews go to Mount Sinai and um, not to fight God, but to esteem his favor above all things and to permit them to depart, at least before he be aware he lay an obstruction in the way of the divine command. And so on occasion, his own suffering, such punishment as it was probable, any man that counterworked the divine command should undergo, since the severest affliction, affliction arise, the serve, um, arises from every object to those that provoke the divine wrath against them. For such are these have neither the earth nor the air for their friend, nor are the fruit of the womb <laughs> according to nature, but everything is unfriendly and adverse towards them. He said further that the Egyptians should know this by sad experience, and that besides the Hebrew people should go out of their country without their consent. Now we are entering into uh, chapter 14, concerning the ten plagues which came upon the Egyptian. That is the title of chapter 14. But when the king despised the word of Moses and had no regard to all of them, grievous plagues seized the Egyptian, every one of which I will describe, both because no such plague 
did ever happen to any other nation as the Egyptians now felt. And because I would demonstrate that Moses did not fail in any one thing that he foretold them, and because it is for the good of mankind that they may learn this occasion. And this is from the historian. This is what he is saying. Now, to do anything that may displease God, lest he provoke the wrath and avenge their iniquities upon them. For the Egyptians' river ran with blood water at the command of God, insomuch that it could not be drunk by they had no other spring of water neither. For the water was not only of the color of blood, but it brought upon all the ventures to drink of it great pain and bitter torment. So anyone that drank it were, be, uh, were in pain and bitter torment. Such was the river of the, the Egyptians, but it was sweet and fit to drink to the Hebrews and no way different from what it naturally used to be. So he's, the historian is talking about another miracle within that uh, blood situation that the children of Israel, when they touched the water to drink it, it remained water that was sweet to drink. But whenever the Egyptians touched it, it was blood. And so that is something from the historian, from the uh, uh the historian mentioning this, and this is not mentioned, I don't see it mentioned in the Bible, but let's go ahead and, and continue re- reading. And so, um, sweet and fit to drink to the, to the Hebrews, and no way different from what it was naturally used to be. As the king therefore knew not what to do in these uh, surprising circumstances, and was in fear of the Egyptian. He gave the Hebrew leave to go away. But when the plague ceased, he changed his mind again and would not suffer them to go. So he keeps reneging, if you will. You go, and then when, they, uh, when the plague stops, you stay put. And so we, we have this dance um, between him and uh, um, Moses. But God... Ex- uh, which I told you guys, God had instructed Moses while he was there in the um, the mount that he would not have let him go until uh, when God killed his son, his firstborn. And after God did that, he would let them go. So let's say um, we're now in chapter 2. But when God saw that he was ungrateful and upon the ceasing of this calamity would not grow wiser, but sent another plague upon the Egyptians. An innumerable multitude of frogs consumed the fruit of the ground. The river was also full of them, insomuch that those who drew water had it spoiled by the blood of these animals as they died in, and were destroyed by the water. And the country was full of filthy slime as they were born, as they died. They also spoiled the vessel in their houses, which they use, use and were found amongst what they eat and what they drank. And it came in great numbers upon their bed. There were also an ungrateful smell, and a stink arose from them as they were born and as they 
died there. And so these guys were hatching, coming up, doing their thing and dying. Now when the Egyptians were under the oppression of these miseries, the king ordered Moses to take the Hebrews with him and be gone, upon which the whole multitude of the frogs vanished away and both the land and the river returned to their form, former nature. But as soon as Pharaoh saw that the land freed from this plague, he forgot the cause of it and retained the Hebrew, the Hebrews, and as though he had a mind to try the nature of more such judgment, he would not yet suffer Moses and his people to depart, having granted the liberty rather out of fear than out of any good consideration. According to God, punished his uh, falseness with another plague added to the former. For these arose, for there arose out of the bodies of the Egyptian an innumerable quantity of, of lice come, came out of their body, by which wicked as they were, they miserably perished as not to be able to destroy the sort of venom, either with washes or with ointment, at which terrible judgment the king of Egypt was in disorder upon the fear in which he reasoned himself, lest his people should be destroyed, and that the manner of the death was also reproachable, so that he was forced in part to recover himself from his wicked temper to a sounder, sounder mind. For he gave leave for the Egypt, uh, for Hebrews themselves to depart, but when the plague thereupon ceased, he thought it proper to require that they should leave their children and wives behind them as pledge of their return. So he's like, hey, leave your kids. You guys can go, but you come back. This guy is absolutely nuts. Whereby he provoked God to be more vehemently angered at him as if he thought to impose on his providence and as it were only Moses and not God who punished the Egyptian for the sake of the Hebrews, for he filled, uh, he filled the country full of various sorts of uh, pestilence and creatures, which with their various properties, such uh, indeed as had never come into the sight of men before, by whose means the men perished themselves, and the land was destitute, of husbandmen for the cultivation, but if any thing escaped destruction from them, it was killed by a uh, distemper which the men underwent also. But when Pharaoh did not even then yield to the will of God, but while he gave leave to the husband to take their wives with them, yet instead that the children should be left behind, God presently resolved to punish his wickedness with several sort of calamities, and those whose, uh, who, who worse than the foregoing, which yet had so generally afflicted them, for their body had terrible boils breaking forth with blame, while they were already inwardly consumed. And a great part of the Egyptian perished in this matter, but when the king was not restored by reason by this plague, hail was sent down from heaven, and such hail it was as the climate of Egypt had never suffered before, 
nor was it like that which fall in other climate in winter time, but was larger than that which fall in the middle of spring to those that dwell in the northern and northwestern region. This hail broke down their um, uh, uh, bars laden with fruit. After this, a tribe of locusts consumed the seed, which was not hurt by the hail, so that the Egyptian all hope of their future fruit of the ground were entirely lost. Now we're at um, chapter uh, verses 5, actually, and uh, we are in chapter 14. And again, I wanted to read the account from the, um, the historian so that we can get a chance to move on to uh, the other aspect or the other vantage point. So that's why I'm reading this um, uh, so that you guys can see it and I'm not uh, oscillating back and forth. One would think that uh, forementioned calamities might have been sufficient for one that was only foolish without wickedness to make him wise and to make him sensible what was his advantage. But Pharaoh led not so much by his folly as by his wickedness. Even when he saw the cause of his misery, he still contested with God and willfully deserted um, the cause of virtue. So he bid Moses take the Hebrew away with their wives and children to leave their cattle behind since their own cattle were destroyed. But when Moses said, that what he desired was unjust, since they were ob obliged to offer sacrifice to God of these cattle. And the time, being under the terror, lest they should be swallowed up by the dark cloud. Besides this, when the darkness after three days and as many nights was dissipated, and when Pharaoh did not still repent, let the Hebrews go, Moses came to him and said, How long will thou be disobedient to the command of God? For he enjoined thee to let the Hebrew people go. Nor is there any other way of being free from the calamity under the, unless you do so. But the king angry at what he said and threatened to cut off his head if he came any more uh, trouble him in these matters. Let me tell you something. When you're in the will of God and God has called you for an assignment and you're in the midst of that assignment and you're doing your, your work, it is not going to be easy. We're looking at an example that we can see in the natural. Here's God called Moses. You know, most of us will go, oh, wow, God called me to do this. So I guess when I walk in and I say to Pharaoh, let my people go, he's going to let them go, and we're going to walk out. We're going to walk into the desert. We're going to walk over to the place, and then we get into the promised land, and everything is going to be fine. And that's how most of us think. Because why? God called me, right? And because God called me, uh, you know, everything should be uh, hunky-dory, as they say. But that's not the reality of things, because we have an enemy that, will fight you to the very end. He fought with Jesus. He came, took him into the wilderness, and he fought with him. And Jesus looked at him, and he said, 
it is written. Lucifer came back and says, yeah, I know. And by the way, it's written too. You know, he said, uh, didn't God say that if you, you know, he will protect you, you dash your knee? And here he is uh, twisting scripture, and that's what he's good at. And that's why you see all these religions out there, because the enemy is still twisting scriptures. And Jesus had to correct him. He says, your interpretation of that, or your revelation, not a revelation, your interpretation of that scripture is actually wrong. He said to him, I'm not foolish enough to tempt God. You know, that is absolutely an erroneous um, interpretation of that scripture. And uh, Jesus responded to him and says, wait a minute, bro. It's also written that you ought not to tempt the Lord thy God. And so he is going to come and twist the scripture to make you do what he wants you to do. And we see that in the world today that the enemy has come and twisted the scripture and he has created thousands of religion that is not anything to do with what God has said that one must become born again and, and have salvation. In fact, in Romans, God called it the way. Many have gone from the way, have departed from the way. What is the way? And so the scripture tells us the way is that you must be born again. That is the way. And then God explains what that means. You must be born of spirit and how he explained what that means. And I have a teaching on my uh, blueprint of faith that goes into all of that, what it means and so forth. So this guy is doing his best to prevent um, God's will to be done. And that's what's going to happen in your life, regardless of what you think. When God calls you to do something, you will always have um, uh, opposition to it because that's how... The enemy is set up. He's still here on this earth, and he's still going to harass you. But you have to stay single-minded and focus on what God has promised you. And God said that he will deliver you and bring you out and take you to that promised land. And so he asked um, uh, Pharaoh, how long will you be disobedient to the command of God? For he enjoined you let the Hebrews go. And so he's coming to them and says, what's wrong with you, bro? You know, you, you, you're, 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 what's wrong with you? And he said, so he comes and he texts him, but the king uh, was angry with him and said to him and threatened him to cut off his head. They're going to threaten you and tell you all kinds of stuff. But God says, don't be afraid of those people that can kill the body. He says, be afraid, Jesus said, be afraid of that one who can destroy both uh, soul and body. My father has the power to destroy your soul and your body as well. So, and the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that many Christians were sawn in half. People were eaten by lions and they were in the will of God. I don't know what those prosperity teachers would say about that because I'm sure they'll tell us that they were out of the will of God. But anyway, let's go back into this thing. And he's threatened to kill Moses. And Moses said, Hereupon Moses, have you threatened Moses? He says, Hereupon Moses said, um, said, He not speak to me, to him anymore about them. For he himself, together with the principal men among the Egyptians, should desire the Hebrews away. So when Moses had said this, he 
was he he went his way, and so now this is the last um, uh, piece that we have to read in chapters fourteen. But when God had signified that with one plague he would compel the Egyptian to let the Hebrews go, he commanded Moses to tell the people that they should have a sacrifice ready, and that they should prepare themselves on the tenth day of the month of Venicus against the fourteenth, which month is called by the Egyptian Parmoth, Nisan by the Hebrew, but the Macedonian calls it Zanakas, and that he should carry the Hebrews with all that they had according he having got the Jew, the Hebrews ready for their departure, and having sort the people into tribes, he kept them together in one place. But when the fourteenth day was come, and all were ready to depart of, uh, to offer the sacrifice and purify their houses with the blood, using bun- uh, bunches of hyssop for that purpose, and when they had supped, they burnt the remainder of the flesh as just ready for to depart, whence it was destruction for the firstborn come upon the Egyptian that night, so that many of the Egyptians who lived near the king's palace persuaded Pharaoh to let the Hebrews go. Accordingly, he called for Moses and bid them be gone, as supposing that if once the Hebrews were gone out of the country, Egypt should be free from its miseries. Then they also honor the Hebrews with gifts, some in order to let them to depart quickly, and others on account of their neighborhood and the friendship they had with them. That is from the historian point of view. And we know that the Bible says that God told the children of Israel uh, and God had promised uh, Moses, he says, when they leave, they're not going to leave empty-handed. Um, and uh, they're going to leave with the wealth of the Egyptians. And in fact, we take a look at that where Jesus told Moses, he says, hey, you tell my people to go and ask the, the Egyptians, uh, women and all their neighbors, for all of their fine linen, their jewelry, their gold, all of it. Ask them for everything. And it says that the Egyptian, that the, the, um, the Israelites went and asked. And we talked about that. That is faith. They walked by faith. Moses uh, gave them the word of God and they walked by faith. And they went and they stripped Egyptians of all their wealth. And that's how you and I are going to get the wealth from the world in order for us to do the gospel. It's the very same thing. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So how did he do that? We talked about that word favor. And if you are following me on on uh, Blueprint of Faith, we know that favor, and even here I've talked about it, favor means, as God showed me, the divine influence upon the heart and the benefit that it brings to the believer or the child of God. The favor is the force by which God extracts from the children of darkness, or from the the Egyptians, which is a reference to the world, he uses that favor to strip it from them and gave it to us. And so when these 
children of Israel. And some of us, we squander money just like the children of Israel because they took that, all their wealth. And later on, as we read, we'll see that they're up there building some calf with gold and worshiping this calf with gold. So many of us take this money and we begin to worship the money and the wealth that God had given to us, not understanding the purpose of it is not for us to do that. The purpose was to make sure that we are able to uh, have dominion on this planet by uh, releasing the power and the word of God. So we have looked at this history, if you will, from the historian point of view. And this is not someone that is, um, he's the plain fact, if you will. He's looking at it and he's saying, this is what took place. And he put a record of it. And so we know then, because you hear people talk about, you know, all kinds of stupid things. This didn't happen and whatever, whatever, whatever. And so I try to explain to people about the Bible. The Bible is many things. It's about a culture. It's about um, uh, uh, God's principles. It's about, uh, uh, you know, all kinds of customs and manners and, and all these different things. And so we have to, when we're studying the Word of God, be able to take things out. Because in the culture back in the day, we'll know that um, God had said that when people do certain things, to stone them and all these kind of stuff, because why? It's an abomination uh, to God. And we know that in their culture back in that day, was stoning was a part of how they executed a judgment. You do that today, you're going to jail because you're breaking the law, the culture of today. Stoning is outlawed. And so God tells us, that we ought to stay within the boundaries of the law that of that um, of that culture and not to exceed the boundaries of the law. So um, that's why we see people come back and say, yeah, but the Bible said this, and, you know, and they try to justify their madness um, by coming up with all kinds of crazy things and don't understand what they're talking about. And they look like idiots and fools, which they are. But uh, we will continue next podcast. And we're going to finish this up looking at the legend of the Jews as to what were their accounts of this particular, um, these encounters that Moses had with uh, the Egyptian from the, uh, from the frogs uh, all the way to when the last night, which was the, um, God told them that he will destroy all their sons. And that's what he did. The, the um, uh, historian said, I'm going to take a record of this because this stuff has never happened before on any land. And I just want you guys to know. And he began to lay it down. So uh, thank you, all of you, for following me and being a partner with me in this wonderful journey, because as I said, we are here at Mystery Bible. We are going through the Bible book by book, verse by verse, and we are going to delve into some of the mysteries that are within those Word of God so that we can be able just to look around and apply some of these things, principles in our life. And we saw how many of the men back in Genesis, uh, we looked at these books, we saw Jacob and his sons, and we saw their wisdom at the end of their days. They gave us a bunch of wisdom how to live. 
And so you and I have a, a great deal of information where we have access to get things. And there's so many books out there. There's so many books of canon. They're finding so much stuff, guys. Um, uh, uh, every day they're finding something. And the Bible tells us that in the last days that knowledge will increase and all of those different things. And we are watching a lot of things, wars, rumors of wars. Um, but I'll give you guys an advice, though. Um, with this thing with Israel that just took place, Israel and Hamas and uh, um, Lebanon and Iran, it is something to watch because we are watching some, uh, all of us, all the, the people that are in prophecy and, and in the Bible, we are watching this situation really close. Um, we know that Hamas um, is uh, going to be pretty much destroyed because um, God had said that he was going to destroy them uh, and uh, he will root them out. And we see here with the children of Israel. Okay, let's take a look at the Egyptians, the plagues that God, and God called those um, the locusts and all those things that he was bringing. He called those his army. And he is the God of the same God. He knows where Hezbollah, I mean, Hamas is hiding. He knows about Hezbollah. But these guys don't understand that Israel is God's firstborn son. And he, we showed you that the scriptures and, and, and Moses talked about, he says, why are you coming against God? Why are you fighting God? Are you out of your mind? And so we have Hamas sons and daughters of the devil, are coming to fight God's son and abusing his, child, his, child, his child. I want to make a note to you guys. Mark my words. Hamas, and um, I, I pray to God that um, Lebanon stays out of it because if Lebanon continues, Hezbollah continues their madness, they are going to rise God up to even um, uh, more uh, angry, the Bible says, because what happens is that when, when uh, Lebanon attacks Israel, that through Hamas, um, to Hezbollah, sorry, that God will take back uh, a part of Lebanon um, from them. And then it says if Iran comes in now, and Elam, that area by um, where they have their um, uh, nuclear site, uh, that that is going to, an accident is going to happen there. And it says that those people from Elam, they're going to scatter throughout the earth and that the earth, all the nations will take them. But it tells us that then God will send his sword to judge the leaders of um uh, Iran. I hope you guys are listening. Stay out of this one because you don't want to arouse God because you're messing with his firstborn kid. And any father, any natural father, I have children, any natural father, when someone messes with the kid, kind of get, you kind of lose your mind in a way where you're not thinking clearly. I mean, this is just in a natural realm. But when, when you're dealing with a father who has all power and all authority, I just want to tell you guys, brace yourself and watch because we may be watching at some interesting prophecies and some destruction of some people according to the word of God. Obadiah 
um, I think it, Amos is another one. There's a couple other scriptures that are dealing with this, and we are all watching to see what happens because they have just struck God's firstborn son. They hurt him, and God will make them pay. The purpose of us being here so that we can learn who we are as Christians and rise up and be effective and change this world.